This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Next Question with Katie Couric. I, as I'm sure you've gathered, am not Katie Couric. I'm Allison Roman. I'm a New York-based cook, writer. Maybe you're familiar with some of my cookbooks. One of them is called Dining In. One of them is called Nothing Fancy. I've got a newsletter, not so cleverly called a newsletter. Or maybe you've seen my home movies on YouTube. Hello. 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 Good morning. Welcome to Home Movies. I'm Allison Roman. And today I am making... Today I am making... Today I'm making... Pasta salad. Cinnamon rolls. Matzo brai. Potato leek soup. A sticky apple cake. Shrimp scampi. Shallot pasta. But today I'm stepping in for Katie while she takes a quick break for her book tour. And today we'll be making... No, just kidding. Today we, we will be doing something totally different. Wait, Allison, how, tell me, how long are you doing this? This is so great. This is it. This is the only one. You're my, you're my one guest. No. Yeah, really. Am I really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm only, I'm only doing the one and this is it. I'm so honored. (laughs) Today I'm talking to Jillian Laub. Jillian is a photographer and a filmmaker and I've been following her work for a while now. She's mostly known for making extremely gorgeous portraits of very famous people, musicians, politicians, actors, But she's also a really thoughtful photojournalistic essay maker. She does political conflict, racial tensions, marginalized communities. She really dives deep into these lesser talked about, lesser seen communities and people. I first came across Jillian and her work around, I think it was 2017. It was a live event where she was showing some of her newer photographs and explaining them in front of a live audience, how they made her feel, why they were important to her you know, on stage in front of a ton of people. And I was very moved by her performance. This was part of a larger show called Pop-Up Magazine, which, as indicates, is a live magazine created just for the stage. 
So I love that that was your first um, time you yeah. kind of knew. I, I love that because that was such an important moment for me and such a turning point. The photographs she was showing then were of her super close family who were recently, let's say, divided by politics. Four years later, that project is now a gorgeous book and collection and exhibit at the ICP in New York called Family Matters. I chatted with Jillian over Zoom just before the Thanksgiving break. And here's our conversation. Before we get started, I, I want to hear a little bit more about your background, where you come from, how this came to be, because I feel like the journey you started on, you weren't like, I'm going to be a I'm going to photograph my family as this long-term right. project. It was sort of like woven into what you had already been doing. Yeah. So it has been over 20 years. This the, the book is over 20 years of work. So it didn't start out as the intention was never like, this is going to be a project. It was, I just started photographing my family. And I, I think I described it in the book in the beginning you know, it, it began really, I was an art student in New York, um, and I was one of the only American Americans in my program, oddly. It was at the International Center of Photography. And um, there was this moment, you know, I'd, I'd always been interested in photographing um, other people. I'm such a curious person. So my work was really centered around, um, you know, learning about other people telling other stories. I never thought of myself or my family as a subject. Um, but then something happened um, when I was a student where I was outside taking a cigarette break with a bunch of my classmates. And a classmate of mine um, from Scandinavia was doing a project on capitalism. And he he pointed to these women across the street and he said, oh, look at those women in their vulgar, fancy fur coats. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, goodness. <laughs> and he was like, I don't understand these fur coats because at the, at the time, the school's on the Upper East Side. And as they came closer, my heart started racing because the realization struck that it was my mom, my aunt, and my grandma coming like, towards I us. know those people. Yeah, not, not only do I know them, but I, I come from there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it was just that, that moment where kind of my worlds collided. And I, and so that's really kind of where it started. And that's when I just started photographing my family for myself. And, and then it just kept growing and it was just something I did. Um, but it's not anything that I had intended to be a project until, um, the past four years, it became very apparent that actually this, the narrative is unfolding to me. What were you doing in the interim? So you had been documenting your family you know, since then as an ongoing project, but what was sort of the thing that you focused on? So basically, you know, when I came out of school, I started, um, I would just did drop-off, portfolio drop-offs, and the best photography in magazines was at the New York Times Magazine. And I, I dropped my portfolio off there and I got a cover story right away and I started having work and shows. But I really, after September 11th, um, I was put on assignment during September 11th to photograph people who had lost people in the towers. And I realized the power of the exchange of photographer and subject and how it's a real, it's something is happening when you're making a portrait of another person. And it was that moment where people were in mourning and we didn't know each other. And it was this really powerful exchange 
that happened. And it was like the photograph was their moment to say, like, we're not just a number. Like, look at us. Look at our loved one. Look at who we lost. And it was about three to four weeks of photographing a lot of families. And something happened where I just said, I I need to work on a project that, because it was two years of just assignment, assignment, assignment that I really wanted to make for myself that I was interested in. So I went to, I started working in the Middle East. And for the next five years, I was um, really working on this project called Testimony with Israeli Jews, Israeli Arabs, and Palestinians, um, kind of how they were affected by the second Antifada. And then I was, um, I learned about this town in Georgia where they were having segregated proms. So it started out as an assignment and then continued for the next 10 to 12 years as I tried to understand the roots of how this town had segregated proms up until 2010, and then there was a racially charged murder. So I was really deep into other stories, and every time that I would come home, it just photographing my family was something I did. It's not really something I thought about. So the first time I heard of you actually was at, I went to go see a pop-up magazine live performance in New York, and this was in, I want to say 2017. Does that sound was- right? It was 2017, yeah. Okay, so it was definitely post-2016. And I know this because your whole presentation was effectively on photographing your family, um, which we'll get into detail on on sort of why they're interesting to begin with because that's obviously what makes the book so great. But what about doing this talk in 2017, like inspired you to say like, okay, I have something here? Because I feel like that may have been a turning point of, of realizing that, okay, beyond just my family, which we all have one, um, and obviously they're very colorful people who demonstrate their personality in one image, which not everybody can do. Um, lots of leopard print, lots of diamonds, lots of fur, <laughs> lots of lipstick. I love it all. Um, the hair is incredible. Um, but yeah, so so tell me about like you, that process and your storytelling there and how that maybe led to this project. Pop-Up had approached me. I'd been talking in conversation with them for years and figuring out what story would be right. And they actually called me in January 2017. And they caught me at this moment where I was in real crisis. Um, First of all, I had just given birth a couple months before to my Mm -hmm. second daughter. And I, I was definitely having postpartum. And also, it was postpartum mixed with my family's love for Trump all of a sudden at the simultaneously at the same exact time. Yeah. So in That's January, gotta be interesting. So what, what oh, do you mean all of a sudden? Was it like prior to that you, you didn't quite understand like the political implications of, of their politics or well, it just didn't no, seem. I knew that they were, I knew that they were fiscally conservative, but okay. this was, but they had also, you know, my dad was a huge fan of Bill Clinton. So, and they kind of pride themselves on being independent voters. So this kind of like real fervent love of Trump was something that threw me and and the maligning of Hillary Clinton was something that just threw me for such a loop and such an existential crisis mm-hmm. that it's hard to really describe and I but I do I do remember specifically when I learned about it and how I learned about it because that will never leave me <laughs> 
Um, and I didn't take it seriously yeah. until I realized it was serious. But it was amazing because Pop-Up had, I just wanted to, because it is kind of a great story, yeah. how they they had called and they said, you know, I remember these pictures of your family. Um, do you have any stories about your family you want to share? And I'm like, this is not a good time. And I'm, fr- I'm friendly with the producer, so I felt like I could be honest, but, you know, off the record. And I said, look, I just came back. I was photographing the Women's March and my parents, to give you the short story, End of the story. My parents were there in D.C. the same time I was there, but they were there for the inauguration. And wow. Unreal. Imme- immediately, you know, she was like, okay, I understand this is hard, but can you just give me the chance to tell you why making this story and, and sharing the story would be important? And the thing about pop-up is that it's a, you can't record it. There's no if you're not in the audience, it didn't exist. Right. So that's yes. a really, really safe place to share material. When I did that, I realized how my story was not just my story because so many people reached out to me. Besides it being the most cathartic you know, experience of writing this painful, t- about this painful time and kind of putting it all together, um, so many people reached out to me who were in the audience and said, oh my goodness, this is happening to me as well. Like, thank you so much for sharing this. Because I don't think people were talking about this. You know, it was like so shameful at, at the time. Right. So it was just, it was then that kind of bells went off. Like, oh my goodness, this is resonating with other people. And it's not about my family. It's about what they're going through as well with their family. If you look through the book even, or have seen any of your past work of your family, it's very clear that these people live out loud. Like they are, they seem to be the type of person when you meet and you say, wow, that person is a thousand percent themselves a million percent of the time. They Mm -hmm. speak their mind. You can tell from the image. They are, you know, full of joie de vivre, uh, if you will. But I imagine that that also translates to a very loud sort of trumpeting of their political beliefs. So, you know, I think it's the holidays and we all are coming to terms with the fact that politics have been an intense subject for the past few years, especially. Um, But a lot of people, you know, sort of abide by the, like, we don't talk about it. It's like not something we bring up. I imagine that wasn't really an option for you. That wasn't an option, um, which is why I also thought reproducing the text messages in the book and the exhibition were very important because that's how we tend to communicate with people now. And it got yeah, so absolutely. toxic. Um, it got so toxic. And a lot of a lot of my five years was dictated, my mental state was dictated by our family text chain. And um, and that's why I included that. But I, you know, it's it's interesting. We're going into Thanksgiving right now, and that's always such the marker for me. I've photographed my family's Thanksgivings for decades. And mm-hmm. in 2016, it was really a question whether we were going to go. Oh, wow. And um, we went. And then you see in the book the photograph where um, I just took a – I didn't take any other pictures really um, except my parents in their aprons in the kitchen and then the photograph of my place seating. Um, which had all Trump, Pence paraphernalia all around it. Um, So it was like my, they were kind of, they thought it was funny. (laughs) Right. Of course. Yeah. I mean, 
they thought it was funny in that because they knew that it would get a rise out of you specifically or or are there other people present that you sort of feel like you have an ally at the table or when you're there is it very much you as an outsider my husband was my ally <laughs> and that's good and we have a large family and i think we were outliers in in that room and it felt like we were visiting a a bit of a cult yeah so so anyway when i you know all of the, the the past four Thanksgivings, you know, when I think back to last Thanksgiving, COVID Thanksgiving, it was right before the election. And it was a very emotional, it was a very emotional Thanksgiving. So I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that this Thanksgiving will be less heavy. We'll be right back with Jillian Laub and me, Allison Roman, after a quick break. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu From BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip I thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board This is Uncanny USA He says somebody's in the house and I screamed Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hi again, it's Alison Roman standing in for Katie Kirk. I'm talking with the photographer Jillian Laub about her book and exhibit Family Matters. We're about to dive into one of the details and makings of some of the photographs, like one of my favorite photos, which is called the wedding planner. Is that your wedding planner? Yes. Okay. So this, this, I don't know where this photo is taken, but there are the right number of wine glasses on the table, which is to say 400. Um, And this woman is looking into the camera and your parents, I believe, are looking at her. She's Mm -hmm. sitting in the middle and she is, I I mean. She's a legend. She, 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 (laughs) I must know more about her. I, I need to know about this woman. You know, I'm so upset because she she passed away. And oh, I'm sorry. I am so it it 
it's a lesson to, in her passing. It's a lesson to say, don't ever postpone or procrastinate any projects you want to do, which I do all the time because I always have a million projects I'm working on simultaneously. But I mm-hmm. always wanted to make a short film about her. Mm. And it kills me that I never did. Yeah. Um, Anyway, her name was Harriet Rose Katz, and she's kind of a New York, she was a New York icon in the uh, party planning business. So you need to look her up because I will. She, her business still exists, but um, but she was quite um, the grand dame. I love her. Well, I think that's the other thing about all these photos, whether they're your family or not, They, you look at them and you want to know more about each person. And like they, they are just like teeming with personality and every single person, every single photograph, you're like, I need to (laughs) spend time with this person. I need to absolutely like have a martini with this woman or like have this, you know, man, presumably your father make my next Thanksgiving Turkey. Um, (laughs) You can come on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Thank you. I will. Um, What did it say? What was the energy of your family being photographed all the time? I'm sure they're used to it, but how has their energy changed behind the lens, uh, or I'm sorry, in front of the lens from when you first started doing it to now? Was there ever like a moment where they didn't like it or they felt tense? Have they loosened up over the years? I think my mom is the hardest person for me to photograph. My grandparents were real characters and they weren't self-conscious, but with a camera, they were just who they were and they weren't really aware of it. And it was kind of fun for them. And it was we we had fun with the camera and so my so it's it's hard because there's so many generations mm-hmm. that I photographed so the grandparents and that generation um it really was fun it was harder to photograph my immediate family and um they were more conscious of it more self-conscious um and especially during the Trump years they would you know they trusted me which is a big deal and I take that I do not take that lightly Mm-hmm. Um, but they would be worried and say, oh, are you, are you making us look bad? Are you judging <laughs> us? Are you, <laughs> and so, so there was a self-consciousness that started, um, in the past four or five years. Um, but they really are, I mean, I'm, I'm used to being called annoying and they're constantly yelling at me to put the camera down when it's like too much. I've crossed the line. Right. And, like um, they've had it. Yeah. But they, but they are really generous with, with allowing me to document their lives. Yeah. And I mean, there's also like to that point, because it spans so many years, there's like a really beautiful narrative arc of watching people grow up and watching people age and, you know, how they change. And I'm sure that you changed so much in those years. I feel like everything gets a little softer towards the end. And I'm sure that's like you growing up and yeah. Also just like approaching things with a different, like it becomes less funny and more of like, I don't know what the word is, but there's something very tender about, especially the last, the, towards the end of the book, the later photos. Well, I mean, there is, it is done with so much love, you know, there's so much, we have so much love in our family and for each other. And so I'm glad that that comes through even in the most difficult pictures. At what point did you decide that? this was going to be a book though, you know, given that like, this is such a long project. I think most people, especially nowadays, we think of the creative process as like a two to three year thing, or there's just this constant pressure to put work out. 
at this clip that is relatively unsustainable if I do say so myself. But this yeah. is such a, a long thing. You could have gone another 10 years, I imagine. So what was it about now that you felt like was the right time? So I think that I realized that it was a book after pop-up. I spent the next year really looking through tens of thousands of pictures and kind of working out the narrative of the first 15 years that led us up to this moment. Like what led us up to this very moment where we're at? So I spent about a year or two really thinking about that and, um, and writing and photographing. I kept photographing. And then I thought then, you know, it's funny because the publisher of the book was in the audience. So I think that it was very- Did you know that at the time? I did because they published, um, Aperture published my first book, Testimony. Okay. Um, So it was apparent that I wanted to work with them again because I trusted them. Um, And they were really um, respectful of my time and the fact that I couldn't have, like I had to figure out when the right time was. So it took a couple of years. And in fact, we were meant to publish it the fall of 2020 um, at the election, during the election. And I had to postpone it because COVID just turned to everything. It just, it changed everything and kind of reopened up all the wounds that I spent, you know, the last two years trying to heal. And Mm -hmm. um, so I postponed the book and it wasn't without, it it was hard to make that decision because I know that it wasn't convenient for them but they trusted in my gut that it was, you know, the, the project needed time to, I needed time to digest everything that was happening. And I'm never, it's never about just getting it out. It's, it's about the quality of the work and the quality is not, it's not about crunching or making a timeline. It's about letting the work knowing when it's finished and that could take a while. Yeah. Wait, that's really interesting. So what changed? In, the, in that year that you had that you sort of were like, okay, it's definitely not ready now. But a year mm. later, you were like, okay, I, I feel ready to sort of part with this. Did it, did it expand? Did it contract? Did it change? Well, right before the pandemic, I was at a place, and I write about this in the book, I was at a place where I was a kind of like a healing, accepting moment. And then the pandemic happened, and it's just everything just... Oh, I, like I said, it was just like opening up old wounds and the tension and fighting got worse than it ever was. Um, and the politics got more divisive. And mm-hmm. so, so there was no, everything that I resolved just, it, it just, I, I had no resolution anymore. It was like, right. wait, this is not okay. And I don't know when it's going to be. And I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to finish this because I don't know what's going to happen next. How, what has been the response from your family in sort of retrospect? Because I imagine there's a lot of not just memories from them and their loved ones. Like we're looking at it very objectively as the audience and we're either looking at it from a technical aspect, like this is a beautiful photograph or an interesting person or the sort of political backstory, but this is their, these are their lives. This is sort yeah. of like you have curated this beautiful gift for them, this memory book of people that are probably no longer with us. Some people that have, you know, uh, live elsewhere. I, I don't know. I feel like it's probably bringing up a lot of stuff for them, not just for you, but. Oh yeah. 
there, it was very emotional. I, before the book came out, you know, publicly, I sat with my family, all my family members and while they read it and I sat with them. Um, and those were some really, really intense weeks. Those are really intense conversations. Um, it took, I'm glad we had that time before to process it together. Um, but I think we were all better for it because there were things that needed to be discussed. And I think that they understood me more and respected me more um, after they read it. I, I felt understood in a way that I had never felt under, I hadn't felt understood before. That's incredible. I mean, that's, that's truly like the best therapy that a person could ask for or that money could buy, I imagine. It did um, feel like intense, intense I'm like, should we, should we all go do a photo book of our family and see what happens? Maybe we could be closer. Um, was well, there, there ever, was, oh, go ahead. No, no, there was, um, at the exhibition, I saw uh, a father brought his son there, he's a 20 year old boy. And they came over and they said, oh, are you the artist? And they said, thank you so much. We haven't been able to talk. And um, the young, the 20 year old was like, I have not, my father brought me here because I haven't talked to him. And this was our way. So it was just so moving that they used this work in order to open up their dialogue. That's um, powerful. From the tension that they've had from the past um, four years. And it, it was, it was incredibly powerful. That's beautiful. Uh, has there been, have there been any photographs or were there any photographs from the book or any pieces of text or any, anything you had written or shared with the world that anyone in your family was like, that's too far, or I'd really rather you not? Um, yes. <laughs> you're, you're like, and now, now is not the time that you're going to share that. Yes. No, no. I mean, there's a couple of things. Well, first of all, the text messages were, um, I, I was very careful because those are private messages. Um, and that I labored over which text messages were appropriate to share. And there was a photograph of my nephew, a portrait of my nephew in his bedroom, um, that I thought was one of the strongest pictures I've ever made. One of the strongest portraits I ever made. And it was him surrounded by all the Trump paraphernalia. It was actually in the pop-up show. Um, but he asked me not to, um, not to publish it in the book. And I, was devastated and lost a lot of sleep because I had to respect that. Um, and we compromised and he allowed me to, to publish the, the, the room empty without him in it. So he wasn't identified. Well, I, I feel like if, if you can create a full book of images and stories and it's, there's like an isolated thing you've, you've are doing well, I feel like your, your family can, not laugh at themselves, but like under respect you and your art and your work, but also trust in your hands that you, you know, are telling a story and doing it in like a loving and beautiful, objective way. Um, and they yeah. honestly, they all look fabulous. I, I gotta say, <laughs> like nobody dresses like your family. It is, I, I read that your grandmother dressed your grandfather and he never, yes. never said no to a thing that it's she adorable. had picked out for him. But like, the zebra prints, the like, the colors, uh, the open shirts. It is just, uh, it is my, my Florida fantasy is really what it is. I know. They really are my style icons. We'll take a short break and be right back with the photographer Jillian Laub in just a moment. 
right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What is your hope for the book when people get it in their hands? Like if it's gifted to them or, I mean, I think sort of the the story about the father and the son at your show feels like a part of that. Well, I mean, I think that, and this was a teacher one of my teachers in photography school said, you know, because when I was making, I'm like, how is anyone going to, like, my family is so specific. I don't want, you know, I just kept questioning myself, like, what is the larger story here? And I feel like there is a larger story, which is why I made this book. It's not just about my family. And my, my teacher said, the more specific you get, the larger the message. And I from the feedback that I've gotten, which is um, reassuring, is that there's kind of something for everyone in there because it's like we all come from complicated families. Family, by definition, is complicated because there are humans. It's made up of humans. So, um, you know, some people have said that there are things in there that they think about but haven't said out loud. So it made them feel kind of heard or seen or less alone. Um, and that to me is like, there's nothing better than somebody kind of connecting to it in that way. Yeah. I, that is, I think, I mean, to be an artist and to have that sort of impact that the work exists beyond you is, is the greatest gift I feel. Yeah. Um, but real quick, I mean, I, I feel like this is a low hanging fruit question, but I just got to no, know. No. So yeah. you, you real quick, for anyone who's not familiar, um, Jillian has photographed people like Dolly Parton and Mary J. Blige famously, um, and Annie Leibovitz as recently as a few weeks ago, I mm-hmm. believe. 
Yeah. Um, who has been, has there been anybody you photographed where you felt like there was like an intimidation factor so high that it made it a challenge for you creatively? Um, well, I mean, I'm nervous. I think the second you're not nervous going into a shoot is like, that's a bad sign. So I think I'm always nervous. Um, and that's that, that kind of, I think that helps you. I think the Obamas, I was very, very nervous. I'm like, (laughs) I have to do, I have to do them justice. Like how I can't not do them justice. That's, that's always the the, the worries, like I want to be able to do justice. And that mm-hmm. was re- most recently with Annie, the Obamas, it was hard because you had very little time. Um, right. but photographing Annie, I mean, come on, she's like a legend. In the, yeah. I mean, she's a legend. So photographing her was the most intimidating right. because there's no one that knows, you know, is more conscious about photography. And she knew that. And I think she felt bad for me. She, <laughs> she, <laughs> She sympathized with me. Oh and, my gosh. and so that's when it was actually sweet and it felt more like a collaboration. Like that was what was so incredible with Annie is like she she really just has above all else, she has such um, a respect and takes the creative process so seriously. So I think that she really um, that came across with our um, our shoot, which I'll tell you one one story is that, she, the picture that, that, that was used of her in front of her pond, um, I knew her pond was really, really, really important to her in, in um, Rhinebeck. And we spent the day at her property in Rhinebeck and we get to the pond and it's awful light, like just the worst light. And I thought I was maybe going to have an hour with Annie, but we had mm-hmm. the whole day together and this is the very last um, shot. And she said, oh, let me show you what it looks like in the morning. It's so gorgeous in the, you know, right at sunrise. So she shows me, um, she's like, I'm not showing off. I'm not showing off, but let me just show you this picture. It's so gorgeous. And she shows me this like beautiful picture on her iPhone. <laughs> and it was like this mystical, you know, s- smoke, like mist coming off of the water. And it was just gorgeous. And it was like torture. So I'm like, okay, I'll never be able to get this. Yeah, I can't because stop that. I can't top that. And she was like, okay, do you want to come back in the morning? Ah. <laughs> and so she just, she knew, I mean, yeah. it wasn't something that was convenient for her because it was, you know, yeah. and I woke up, she, she, she allowed me to, um, you know, come back at, at sunrise and make that picture because she knew that that was going to, the light was going to be perfect then. Yeah. So it's like very much like a talking shop thing. I, I think, Similarly, like when I, there's like a cooking for people energy where like people, it's like cooking for somebody who's really good at cooking. Or right. It's cook, the but same you know thing. What? But it's actually great because there's like a trust and an understanding where you are actually, you've sort of fallen to a rhythm. And I bet that also the photos you took of her are so drastically different than her style that I felt like, you know, I don't know, there's probably some sort of like beautiful unspoken bond there between you oh, now forever. Yeah. I, I felt that way, which I'm, I'm really, yeah, it was very special, but wait, I want to know who is the most intimidating for you to cook for. Oh gosh. I don't, the person who's most intimidating for me to cook or cook for, gosh, I don't know anyone who's, I guess I'm cooking for, for the first time or like who is, who knows about me in uh-huh. general, because I feel like ultimate pressure. And yeah. I, it's my worst nightmare to cook for somebody in real life and have them be like, 
this girl, you like this person's food? Like I had it in real life. It wasn't that good. So for me, it is always about like meeting expectations. And if the expectation is that I'm a professional and you're like going over to somebody's house for a potluck and you're like, someone's like, who made the dip? It's not that good. I'm like, oh, I made it, but I do this for a living. It sort of makes me feel like I sort of delegitimized. Unlike this podcast where I'm like, I'm not a professional podcast host. So if if I am not a good interviewer, I, I at least can fall back on my cooking. I love it. I love it. Jillian, thank you so, so much for joining me on my foray into podcast co-hosting. I love talking to you. Thank you again so much to Jillian Laub. Her book is called Family Matters and her exhibit of the same name is at the ICP in New York through January 10th. We'll show some of the photos Jillian and I talked about on Katie's website, katiekirk.com. And that's it for me on this microphone and in your ears, but there's plenty more of me to go around. You can subscribe to my newsletter, find my cookbooks or home movies by going to my website, allisoneroman.com. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, thank you so much for having me, Katie. Wasn't she great, everyone? By the way, her newsletter and home movies are a must, whether you're knee deep in the holidays or you're just looking for something delicious to make on your own. So go find her if you haven't already. And next week, while I'm getting ready to release all the highlights from my whirlwind book tour, my good friend Brian Goldsmith is taking over the pod. He's a political consultant, recovering journalist, and my former podcasting co-host. He's going to be looking into his crystal ball, and it's very clear, people, to tell us what the future holds in politics. It's everything you'll need to know next Thursday on Next Question. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen, associate producers Derek Clements, Adriana Fazio, and Emily Pinto. The show is edited and mixed by Derek Clements. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my morning newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to katiecouric.com. You can also find me at Katie Couric on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Z. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.